Hello everyone. This is just a couple dudes. I'm your host, Eric Flattiger, and your co-host, Frank Lewandowski. What are we doing today, Frank? Well, today is our first guest speaker. I'm going to give a big introduction because he is our best speaker we've ever had. Yeah. Best interview we've ever had because it's the first one. Yeah. His name is Gary Roses, MD, MBA, father, husband, connoisseur, all in one. We're basically selling them. It's quite the package. Yeah. All in one. Like a Swiss Army knife, but even more. <laughs> I love, dude, I love Moby. <laughs> you know Moby's what? Moby's so good. I just want to know if that really is him. Because he looks kind of goofy. Moby. All right. What a good song. I can't wait till we get hit with copyright issues. Oh, all of these. Yeah. I'm just gonna beg Moby. We're doing like, a lot of editing. Man. Actually, I think with the copyright stuff, I think if you're if you're talking over it, it's okay. Mm. So maybe the the very first five six seconds where it's just Moby doing his thing, but as soon as we start talking, it's okay. And I got all that information from like three Rogan episodes. <laughs> you know what? I gotta thank Joe Rogan because he's just started all of this. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Yep. Thank goodness. Number one podcast in the world. Yeah. J-R-E. Yeah. Okay. So we did the introduction. And here we go. So Gary, if you want to kind of say hi to our listeners. Hi there. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction. I've never been called a, uh, a, a package and a Swiss army knife in a couple sentences there. So happy to be here. Happy to be the first guest. So we talk about good men on this podcast because we think there's not a voice for men out there and supporting good men which is so important because when you have good fathers good husbands and just happy men you you just have a happier life for other people out there right uh we we've talked about how women are amazing already and they're taking on multiple roles with working and being a mom single moms etc so they're they're killing it they are just killing it but we want to support men out there and kind of help support good fathers and stuff like that. And Gary is such a good example of that. So that's what we're going to be talking about today and about what Gary brings to the table. Yeah, so I guess we can just start with a bit of your background. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Thank you for um, just those comments, Frank, about you know women and their role. And um, just, yeah, I'm humbled with that uh, for telling me you know that I'm a good model out there. And so when you're talking about the different hats men wear, I'm a father, husband, uh, physician. And so my kids now I'll start with, uh, that hat, the father hat. Cause I think right now that's kind of moved, moved up my, um, up my totem pole. Uh, you know, being a physician, it's a long road to get through med school training. And that's, that takes precedent for a lot of things. And now that I've gotten older, just turned 40 this year, you, you start to realize that isn't the all important thing. And even this, this past couple of years for me, it's been pivoting from the traditional medical model to like the health and wellness model to being happier, to being more balanced. And it's, it's balancing those hats out, you know, for a long time, it was wearing that, that doc hat, you know, wearing the lab coat, white coat, stethoscope, and, um, you know, being just, that was everything. And now when you start to, you get married, have kids, you wear those hats and you're like, wow, I got to start to juggle these things. And. I'd be happy to tell you that it's not easy a lot of times, and it's a, it can be a struggle, and I've had my struggles like most people and ups and downs, and i um, glad to be where I'm at now. So, Oh, yeah, like when you talk about like health and wellness, especially as you think about stressful jobs. I was just talking with my roommate the other day about like 
stress and like stress eating, you know, and like all these bad habits that come from a high level job. And I bet being a physician is, it seems like one of those, like doctor, lawyer, those are like the ones where you think of like the most like hours, work, stress, school, like I can't imagine then trying to balance health and wellness and family with a job like that seems just enormous. Yeah, I love that you comment on that because my relationship with food has taken a lot of different struggles like stress eating. Um, Gosh, I can go back to even my childhood because my parents grew up in the Philippines and they were uh, went to nursing school and then came here to the United States. And so having their background where in a third world country, they didn't know where sometimes their next meal was coming from. And uh, so growing up, food was always like, oh, you better eat that because you have starving cousins in the Philippines. And so I kind of was raised with that. And then um, I got into med school, one of the few six-year med med programs right out of high school. And that's certainly high stress. And you talk about stress eating is when you're expected to study all night for all your tests and you're like, the only thing open at two or three in the morning is garbage. You know, we all know it's, I know Frank said it before, he's a fast food connoisseur and I'm the same thing. It was like, I knew what was open is Jack in the box, Taco Bell, um, you know, the greasy dives that <laughs> the, the best food at two or three in the morning. But that, those are one of the, um, to help get me through med school, that was almost like the comfort or the break from studying. You you sit on your butt in the library, and then it's you need a break. Either you grab more coffee, Red Bulls, and um, and those, gosh, that those habits in a way felt like that's what I needed then to kind of get through it. And it continued through med school training, and I'd worked ten years full time in the ER and worked a lot of night shifts and that's that I think that's the epitome of like stress eating because it's night shifts so your body's already all screwed up everyone brings down all the extra cake the kitchen shuts down to just the bare minimum which is just fried garbage which tastes great it's all like the chicken fingers fries greasy burgers and yeah when you're especially when you're stressed another ambulance comes in you're like yeah I'm gonna grab that extra piece of pizza or I'm gonna order three or four pizzas for everyone and it's Mm -hmm. that uh you know it but that in a way food does bring people together but it can obviously if you take it too far you can start to stress eat and um and Frank didn't know me a couple years ago but I was 50 pounds heavier and so that's that was weight was one of those things I was like gosh this a lot of my patterns or habits that got me through either med school and high stress weren't serving me anymore. So that's kind of one area that, that I've taken, you know, kind of shifted and, and changed that relationship with food. And I met Gary like a year and a half ago or something like that. I was a nurse and working with him at the ER and we instantly vibed. I just wanted to speak on that. You know how when you meet someone and your energy just kind of sinks, it was instantaneous. Like, you know, if you're on a date with a girl and you instantly sink, you're like, things are going good. Oh, yeah. Things are going real good. So, so would you say you were just a couple dudes right away? We were just a couple dudes right away. You know, <laughs> it was just that instant. Um, but yeah, and let's talk about a little bit, Gary, about like your weight loss. So how did you lose the weight? How did you become healthier? Um, so it's just like anything, you know, being a... Um, you know, kind of a forever student is like, you start to just dive into different things. Like I remember started just, of course, traditional medical model, which was kind of all screwed up then about our food pyramid was like, something wasn't making sense. And I could tell that when I was in the primary care office, it was like, why is diabetes becoming such a big deal? Why are all these pharmaceutical companies pushing insulin and we're not spending any time on diet? 
Um, and then eventually, like I said, it caught up with myself. So I started diving deeper into that and finding, um, that there was a lot of uh, discrepancies, you know, to be like, why are we doing things? But I knew I had to make a difference for myself. So just like anyone, I would try the, the, you know, look for the magic pill, you know, look for different things. But then I found a couple different, you know, books, um, kind of online contact content that kind of stuck. Um, and a lot of it came back to just more of what we call ancestral health or paleo, whatever you want to call that. It's basically treating the body how it's supposed to be treated. Like we weren't, we're not supposed to eat all the time. We're not supposed to eat food that was made in a factory, um, but taste delicious. Like Taco Bell, like all those or even Doritos, they make the perfect food, like the perfect color, perfect texture to make you want more of it. Um, but I best, but I bet to circle back though, it's just starting to make little changes that would be. This is what, and I would just try it and see how my body felt. Like, um, yeah. So I'm just gonna interject real quick. So to piggyback on Frank's original question that you're answering, what was kind of like the tipping point for you? Mm, you know, like yeah. so. So you talk about like how you started recognizing these things yeah. uh, and then looking into it. Was there like a, a definitive moment, or was it something that lingered for you know you know something like lingers like I, yeah. I got to take care of this weight issue or this problem I'm having, and it finally you're like okay, this is I'm gonna take care of this. Yeah, I could say what what came to mind. I can picture uh, a picture of myself and my daughter about two. Uh, well, I guess now it's probably when we moved out here. So that's seven years when I was looking at myself, and it was almost like a picture of disgust. I was like, "Wow, I'm," and I was the heaviest I'd ever been. I was two twenty at the time, and now I'm down to one seventy. But I remember just that visualization of, and it was not just weight. I could tell I wasn't happy with weight. I felt like I was stressed out, and um, the dichotomy of that was like, you know, it seems like I should have hit these marks of like, gosh, now I'm, you know, 10 to 12 years out of residency. We moved, um, had two, two kids, beautiful wife, uh, family, and was like, I'm still searching for something, even though I had hit those marks. And so I would say, yeah, that picture of, um, just myself and that, that induced a lot of self-reflection, especially when you put the dad hat on, you're like, well, now I'm not just in charge of me and, you know, and my wife and, um, but you're in charge of two little ones that are so impressionable and, um, starting to make decisions for them. I knew I, I wanted to change. And so I would say, say then. How long did it take to lose 50 pounds? It's been a process. There was like, um, it's been about two years. Um, there's of course there are periods when it went off quickly and then kind of the last five to 10 has taken, you know, a little longer, but then that's just because there's, there's, good times and bad times when like I'll slip into those patterns of stress eating again or realize that, um, you know, not doing as much as I did before. And that's just because sometimes stress and other areas of life kind of pick up. But I think that's so cool because you have an emergency room physician, right? And I'm not trying to use that title, but just when I was a kid and I I would hear titles, I would just like look up to them, Mm -hmm. right? Probably not, probably not healthy wise because they're still people, you know, but, even the president is a person, right? Yeah. And you have struggles. Like, there's no way. There's like a picture of the iceberg of success, right? You barely see the tip, but you don't see the bottom of it that's in the water. That is like the struggle, the tough days, the midnights you were, you know, getting jack in the box from studying and trying to balance having a family and be healthy and realize that 50 pounds weight loss sounds really easy on TV, but it's not. It's really difficult and hard. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think with titles too, like you said, titles don't really matter 
in the sense of like we're all people, but at the same time they do have like presence. You know, they carry a little bit of an authority. So especially if you are in like the medical world, like doctors, and I think that's why people, you know, you always hear people who are like negative, like, oh yeah, this, this doctor, but he's fat and he smokes and he does whatever. And you're like, well, he is just a person. But at the same time, you do carry a certain amount of presence and authority. So it is, you do want to carry yourself in a different light, you know? I just love the human aspect of it. Yeah. You know, you have a guy that can just reach people and, cause there's a lot of doctors that are just, they're not able to reach, you know, they, they aren't open to talking about their struggles. They aren't open to having those candid, real conversations. That's what makes Gary one of the coolest people I've ever met is that he'll, he'll tell you real life, right? It's, you know, he put so much effort just to get through medical school. And can you just give a brief example of what it takes? Yeah. To get so that? briefly, it's um, you do your four-year undergrad. And then after undergrad, you have to take the MCAT and go through the process of applying to med school. And then it's another four years of medical school. Um, after medical school, then you pick uh, residency. And those can be varying lengths. Um, there's, you know, they go from like three years to five years. And then if you do a fellowship, that could be another three to five years, depending on what you're going to specialize in. So the path for myself um, is a little different because I um, got into a six-year med school. So I started med school when I was 17. So it was a fairly unique program that is basically just 100 students. Um, and gosh, I can look back at it now because people always ask that question, especially when I have students in the ER. They're like, hey, that sounds great. You started early and um, you can, you know, that way you start making better money earlier. And when people ask, would you do it again? You know, initially I would say, yeah, this is great. You know, because you were almost when we got to school, we were like the rock stars of school. We we're like, oh, those are those are the med students. Um, There's only a hundred of them, but it was, gosh, it was high, high stress because that school they expected 25 percent of the people not to make it from first to second year because they would bring in other med students after that. And that was just part of their, their process. So I look back at it now, the first time I was sitting like at a table, like four people, there'd be like, okay, one of us isn't going to be there. So that kind of, I look back at it now and that was almost the dehumanizing part of med school. They want to almost take the human out of you because it's so competitive. Cause when you look at, you know, not only your every test, like you want to be at the top of your class if you want to get the best residency. So you're always compared. And a lot of times it's to, to your own detriment that you keep pushing yourself so hard. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a long haul. So it's, I did six years, then I did three years of uh, family medicine residency. And I would say for a moment, I, would, I were, at times I felt like I was addicted to expensive letters because, you know, the MD, um, you know, med school tuition isn't cheap. So, um, after that I found an MBA program and so it was combined with my family medicine residency, but then again, I had to pay for that on top of it. Uh, going through that program, I thought I wanted to do hospital administration, but once I've, once I went through that program, I realized that that is not what I, not what I want to do. So, um, I did a fellowship after that, which was cool cause I got to move to Hawaii since I was born and raised in Missouri, it was good to, to get out and, um, branch out and live somewhere else. And so that's the total of, you know, the six years plus the three plus the fellowship. So it was 10 years and you're making, oh gosh, of course, when you're in school, you're just racking up debt. You know, our, you know, my, my joke was, is like, wow, I'm a negative millionaire. When I look at all my debt, when I yeah, bought my seriously. first house, it's like, <laughs> I'm so far leveraged, but everyone, the, the, the story is, 
it'll be fine when you're a doctor or it'll be, you know, you'll make a good wage. And once I got out, I'm like, hey, where's this uh, perfect world that was kind of planted out there? And you realize that um, it's there's we're still humans. We still have our struggles to kind of work through. So that so it's 10 years. And then, um, yeah, it gets better when when you get out. But then you're on that rat, you know, the rat race, the treadmill to be like working more. And two or three years ago when I was yeah like heavy, 220. I was picking up 16 to 20 plus shifts a, a, a month in the ER just because it was, I was, you could make good money doing that. Like I would find ERs that would just, um, you know, they're just trying to find docs to work when they moved out here. And, you know, in a way it was like, gosh, this is great. Now I can just keep making this much money. But two, I could tell I was out of balance there because my kids were young. Uh, my wife was working too. And it became, that became, you know, such a focus. And so that's been one of the, one of the areas that I've definitely looked at, at finding better balance in my life. Yeah. I can't imagine. Can you, is there any kind of comparison you can give for someone who's ignorant to like, I guess the medical world, like 16 to 20 shifts, what's like a normal. Yeah. So ER typically, depending on how busy the ER is, I've been in ERs that if they're just super, super busy, you work from six to 10 hours at a time, just because it's so high stress. If you think ER, of course, you know, you may or may not have seen, most people have seen at least the shows to be like, yeah, people, you know, a lot of times there's life or death situations. You know, a lot of times, though, it's not as glamorous, but there's a mix of just constant stress. So there'd be like the eight to 10 hour shifts. Um, when I was in Missouri, you could work in the rural ERs where they'd let you work 12 hours, even 24 hour shifts, because sometimes you'd only see, you know, 10 to 12 patients a day. Um, where I'm currently at, I'm able to work 12 hour shifts. So if you think full time is three shifts a week, but someone's got to work at night holidays. Cause it's of course the ER, you got to be there. So, um, I've worked predominantly nights. So that's taken its toll too, of just working nights. Um, so that's kind of when I look at, wow, why am I, why am I so out of balance? It's a, almost that perfect storm of like, gosh, I need to work. Um, now I'm married, I have kids. Um, and just, you can, I, I could tell at certain points, I'm like, wow, this is, this isn't working for me right now that something's got to change. So, but I hope that answered your question about, yeah, oh, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. I just looked up to doctor so much growing up, you know, it just, just the white coat, the title, um, you know, I'm a nurse practitioner and I still like had a hard time calling a doctor by their first name. Yeah. <laughs> I seriously <laughs> struggle with that up to like a year ago. I go golfing with a buddy of mine and it's just weird. I still called him when I worked with him, I call him doctor. I just, it's just, maybe it's the military in me too. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little kid. Maybe that's what yeah, it is. I think you are. Yeah, I'm just a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know, man. It's just cool. It's just cool to get to know people. It's cool that, you know, you get to hear people's stories. Cause that's again, what we're going to yeah. be doing on this podcast is interviewing real people that are nearby. Mm. And every day, when I meet people at work or outside of work, I think almost every, I think everyone has a cool story. And I think we forget that about people. You know, when we go to the grocery store and I see Karen behind the, you know, bagging my, my, my steaks I get, cause you know, I'm a carnivore. Uh, you know, you forget they have a cool story. You have no idea. And I don't know. I just, I just, I'm addicted to it. Yeah. Well, I think most people are like, like, you know, you have regular banter, or like small talk, but most people are like two or three questions away from, you know, going really deep into a good story about who they are, where they come from. And I think people want to be heard. Yeah. That's something too. Uh, 
you know, we are, we've talked about being disconnected, right? So Gary actually is looking into venturing into his own type of realm, right? So, and that's why we're kind of setting this up is he's telling his own story, but also can you tell us kind of your vision of what you, how you, where you see yourself in the next yeah, and just like how you're commenting, let it be Karen at, at the store or wherever, like working in the ER, I meet, you know, it, you meet so many people, you know, there's some shifts, I'll see 30, 40 patients. And of course, I see them in a very vulnerable state. But, um, you know, working as a doc, you get you get to know people pretty intimately, pretty quick. Um, but now I know I, I enjoy that part. But when you find people how um, I love how Frank kind of mentioned when we first met, you're like, huh, I like the energy here, like, and he's just, like, just another dude, and which as being a doc, you know, we were talking about, you know, we're still people, like, you know, being able to take off the the white coat and be like, let me just talk to Frank. He wasn't a nurse to me, he's just Frank, and that's when I realized those relationships seem to seem to energize me the most, and that's where I kind of see my vision now of shifting from the traditional medical model to the, like, a health and wellness model, and it's creating a community similar to a platform of what you guys are looking for to support men but it's you know people that are just trying to help find balance happiness fulfillment in their lives and this is not just like paper paper success you know i can look at i have some expensive you know pieces of paper on the wall that say oh he's an md he's an mba he, he must be successful or he must be happy and it's the more that i've especially when I've moved from going to like the traditional medical conferences that honestly were a bunch of just burnout docs. Like you get to know them. You're like, wow, there's so much burnout negativity. And the sad part is they all went into medicine helping people and they still do that, but they do it to the detriment of a lot of times their own, own health and their relationships. Like I can look at docs at certain emergency rooms I've looked at and they're just slugging through an ER shift and they have to work because they have a couple marriages to pay for, you know, kids from different marriages. And so it's just like, wow, they feel trapped. And so that's where I'm like looking at my vision. What do I want to do? It's I I still want to continue working in the ER, but I want to help support people outside of there. And that's where within health and wellness, I've looked at becoming, um, and I like the possibility of becoming a coach for people. And a lot of times even saying it now is like, well, why would a doc want to be a coach? And it's like, well, a lot of times we coach people as docs, but as a coach, you can do that outside of the hospital doors or the clinic doors. And that's what I'm starting to build is to build a community where, you know, my voice or my message may be able to, to help people, you know, men or, or similar people. Cause of course I know my story and I know the struggles I've had. And if I'm able to share that, um, that that's what fills my cup right now. And, um, I can tell like when I work with med students, like I don't drill them on pimping them about what's the differential diagnosis. I'm like, Hey, what, what do you do for fun? You know, do you have kids? Like, how do you balance all this stuff that we're go- that you're going through trying to figure out where you're going to live for residency and how you're going to pass your test? Like, how do you, how do you take care of yourself? And I, I find myself that I enjoy that part of mentoring right now, and that's why I'm I'm looking at building that community through through my health and wellness company. There's such reward and benefit from helping others. Oh yeah, you know it sounds so cliche. Like I like to help people. I think that's amazing. Please say that and please mean it. And that you know it's just that energy you're giving to other people. And when you get that smile, like because they genuinely know that you you're trying to help someone. I mean, it's just I don't know if there's a better feeling. Yeah, because I mean. When you're helping other people and people look up to you, 
you know, that's a lot more rewarding than just like you said, like, oh, you can go work at this hospital, pick up like unlimited shifts and money. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, when you've worked, you're so overworked and stressed, you just wind up like buying a new car or like a television or something, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. you work so hard and then it's like you just start buying stuff because like there's nothing else you can do but work and buy stuff. And that's not really fulfilling. And then versus helping people. And then I get really happy to think about all the people that, you know, people I look up to who have like wrote books, started podcasts, done things that have been beneficial to me because I would have never gotten the information and the, the, you know, the help that I've gotten from them. So I think it's, I think that's great. It's where it's at. It's where it's at, baby. (laughs) Just a couple dudes helping Yeah. just a few more dudes out there. And chicks, we love our girls. We oh, love yeah. our ladies. Yeah, not to get too yeah. too male. Yeah, not too male focused because yeah. women need help too. But you're killing it, ladies. We love you. You're beautiful. You're balancing the mom aspect, which is a tough role, mm-hmm. right? Especially single moms. That's a tough, tough role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's part of this podcast too is to like promote and put out the information, you know, that we get that you want to share with other people or stories that you get that you can share with other people. You know, and that's why I started like the first podcast I had started. It's because I knew so many people and their their stories and what they were doing in life, and I knew if it benefited me, that little piece of you know story or information, then it could benefit other people. You know, I do think pointing something out though, it is such an oxymoron to have a physician or a provider or a healthcare worker be so burnt out. We have set up and created a system to where you have these young, striving people who are the most competitive like driven students and young kids that are burnout they're the suicide rates extremely high there's no support out there it's really sad because i want really healthy balanced doctors because when you go into the room and i'm dying i want you to be clear-headed i want you to be happy and i want you to be at your best our doctors are not because it's the system is not set up for healthy doctors and that's sad it's really bizarre yeah, can you imagine you need like some kind of emergency surgery and this dude's just like got done like finalizing his divorce? Yeah, it's <laughs> you know? like, all yeah. mad. He's yeah. like operate on you now. It's his third divorce. <laughs> he hasn't seen his kids because they're doing drugs because the parents aren't ever around. Yeah. You know, he bought it. He bought He's his fourth Adderall. Tesla. Yeah, they're all on Adderall. Like our system makes no sense. So we're going to make you go to school and get $400,000 worth of debt and then go make money and then be stressed out. And then also our cafeteria doesn't supply good food. <laughs> our cafeteria gets yeah. a bunch of garbage. Yeah. And then we have patients now that are, you know, yelling at you because you're not giving them opiates because that was the doctor's fault, right? Everything's the doctor's fault. Yeah. Like, I feel so bad, you know? It's nothing like scrubs. No, that was a good show. No, it was so that good. That was a really good show. God, the shows are so good. Yeah. I want to know where that extra closet is. Mm. You know, like, where is that out there? It's got to be. It's got to be. There's one hospital in Florida with it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Florida. It's got to be Florida. Florida is like, I feel like the wild, wild land. Oh, man. So, yeah, so there was so much truth in just what Frank was, was saying there. I can, you know, definitely, you know, be a living example of how that definitely plays out. And I, Frank has seen it, and I've lived it. And so thank you for, for kind of sharing that here podcast yeah so more into okay so the the health and wellness stuff and you've lost 50 pounds and so what are your like current i guess like some fitness goals or stuff or what are you trying to do with it and also uh if you want to expand on like what you like what do you eat Hmm. you know or what supplements do you take or yeah you know what do you like to 
Yeah, so I like like that you asked that because I was looking, I like looking at a lot of different things. Of course, whenever, especially being a doc, if something's hitting mainstream, I was like, well, I better go learn about that. Like when keto is the hot word, it's like, well, we know about ketosis, you know, from the medical side, but now it's, now it's, you know, the hot thing now. Um, but what I, what I really focus on is just eating real food. Like I have a, Mm -hmm. um, kind of a saying now that real food is medicine, you know, especially even coming from the medical side that we were trained to be quick to prescribe versus if we actually look at the food we're putting in our bodies, that makes the biggest difference. So I try to, I focus on eating just more, more whole natural foods, but I know that it can be a struggle at times because like, it's here in the U S it's convenient to eat like crap. And that's, that's kind of the industry. But so I try to focus on that as much as I can. Um, I'll jump on to, and kind of read like one thing I'm look, I read not too long ago was, um, a lot of the stuff on fasting because after keto, it seems like I have earned a minute fasting is the other big thing. So I'll try different things. Like actually last month I did a, um, because, of course, I want to try it before if I believe it or not. I'll see if the science makes sense to me. And then a lot of times I'll be like, well, let's give it a whirl and see what happens. So Victor Longo, he's one of the um, anti-aging people. And he talks about, you know, the benefits of fasting. And so I've been doing, you know, there's thoughts of the intermittent fasting, which I do. I, especially with shift work, I try to limit my eating window from six to eight hours. And that goes back to the ancestral health thing where the human body isn't meant to be fed every two hours, like the big food wants us to. So I, you know, I do that. And then I've been trying to do these longer fast, you know, they see there's this benefit of like the three to five day water fast to help give the body a break. And then um, there's a lot of science and stuff coming out around that, which is cool because a lot of times, why would people study that? Because <laughs> no one's going to make money on telling people to eat less food. Yeah. Right. right. But now they're finding like things of like, uh, just to help clean up like cellular debris, like if you're able to rest the body, they're showing that that can help with anti-aging and just being healthier. So that's something I've been working or incorporating in uh, lately. Uh, Fitness-wise, I like the idea of meaningful movement. Um, And for each person, it kind of just depends on them, like what works for them. You know, there's, you can pick any gym in a box, let it be Orange Theory, um, you know, spin class, you know, you just got to find what, what fits. Like for me, I enjoy, I enjoy the group aspect. I like orange theory is one thing I do just cause it's, it's for me, it's bang for my buck. Like I know if I could go, especially after a 12 hour shift, like my decision-making bucket is empty, you know, I'm just, but I was like, I can work out now and someone will just tell me what to do versus like, if I try to go to the gym, I'll like go, you know, kind of walk around and sit in the sauna and kind of be like, okay, ready to go home. So it's just finding what fits for people. I have a unique situation where, you know, working nights um, have to kind of fit it in and and fight the, uh, you know, I'm already fighting the circadian rhythms of trying to get better sleep. Like I've really been trying to focus on sleep because most of my life it was, you can sleep when you're dead. You know, if if you're not Mm -hmm. studying or you're, you know, everyone else is studying while you're sleeping or they're getting, you know, but now I've realized if I don't recover, I'm not going to be able to function as well. So that's the other, one of the other big things I've been looking at. Sleep. I know sleep is one that I've, I try to focus on too. I try to get like seven, eight hours usually, but yeah, that's that whole thought. People think like, oh, you don't need sleep. Just, you know, get four hours and you're good. I'm like, yeah, then you get Alzheimer's. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> you're not going to remember the end of your life. Yeah. So, um, God, I love how Gary, like, you know, he can go really deep into the science if we want. I think most people don't actually want to hear that. 
I think uh, some people really like the nitty gritty and the recent study. And the more you see studies, the more you get inundated with it. And you're like, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Mm-hmm. Like Charlie Brown, yeah. right? You want to hear like foundations of yeah. health, right? Eat stuff that's natural. Eat stuff that's not in a box, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're going to be in the, heading in the right direction. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about that too earlier today when I was at the gym because there's so many different diets. There's so many different debates. There's so many, you know vegan carnivore keto paleo whatever but um there's a few things that like like exercise you know that's going to be helpful you know drinking a lot of water that's gonna be helpful get good sleep that's that's really helpful de-stress even like whether you know not all calories are the same and stuff like that but by restricting some calories by eating a little less that's going to be helpful you know like there's certain things foundational things that i think people should focus on more than just being so visceral about like oh well keto is actually you know terrible and blah 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 or vegans you know what i mean just like eat whole foods go for a walk you know yeah. get good sleep drink some water stop drinking coke yeah and, and you know sometimes you can eat bad that's all right you know yeah. i shame myself sometimes i swear i just want to take that fat burger and go in the go in the mirror and look at myself and go you're a fatty oh and just yeah eat the just rub it all the over <laughs> you know because i fat shame yeah. myself i'm like i only have four abs right now yeah. you disgusting frank who are you you know <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but you got to have a healthy balance with your you know your personal image and goals and i think even health it can it can go overboard and i've gone through periods of my life where the gym was too much i was like god i'm not good enough i'm not big enough i'm not strong enough like you know be the best version of you yeah oh definitely and you can look great on the outside and be just so torn up on the inside too like you know sometimes i would like overcompensate with like working out when i was like struggling with something and you're just working out you know five six days a week and so hard but and you're still kind of like disappointed which isn't healthy no, it's not. No. It's not, right? Or you compare yourself. I used to go on Instagram and I had all these fitness followers or fitness people, right? And it'd be like hot chicks and, and dudes that are in amazing shape. I unfollowed them. I was like, it's not realistic yeah, it's to not. follow them. You don't know what supplements they're on. You don't know they their full-time gig is just to post butt pictures on Instagram. Yeah. I'm like, I hope your butt looks good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your full-time job. Yeah. Like you're put in 40 hours. Baby got that back. Butt. Baby got back. She's got to show it. <laughs> or maybe genetically she was you know blessed with a nice butt Uh, or you know frank it's all the skinny tea they sell you just need that appetite reducing skinny tea or now you can just get get implants in your butt or you get implants does it feel like plastic is that what it feels like (laughs) like what does it feel like it has to yeah i don't know i did uh just start juicing not like steroids juicing Uh, like vegetables let's clarify clarify. (laughs) celery juice i've been doing celery and uh i tried one this morning it was celery spinach a little ginger and some green apple it how's that pretty yummy it's good i have no idea like what the you know science and the benefits are but it's good i think something to bring up too is anecdotal evidence so medicine was is called practicing medicine mm-hmm. so what works for you instead of where medicine is going is it more and more of this is the standard this is the algorithm instead of looking at the person as an individual you know, we're trying to put everyone in groups in the certain way we're trying to treat people. And it's taken away from the human aspect. You know, we have artificial intelligence around the corner that should help us maybe Skynet eventually, um, hopefully not. But like, we need to realize that everyone is individual, unique. And, you know, there is this anecdotal evidence that I love. That's my favorite part of medicine is find out what works for you. What, what can we do? Yeah. Yeah, I love that, Frank, because, you know, being in the primary care office, yeah, there's 
the algorithms were, you know, they were shoved down our throat to be like, oh, if this person does this, you should do that or prescribe that. And what I've, yeah, same thing that you were just saying, it really depends on that person. And if you can meet meet them there, that makes the biggest difference. That's that's the art of medicine. So I'm glad yeah. you're able to pick on that. What you think about too with medicine is like, I heard the saying, it was like, you don't have a, like people don't have a drug deficiency, you know? Yeah. So when you go to a doctor, you get right. a drug for a lot of stuff. And some people, I'm sure if you're really overweight, you need to get on some some kind of a drug just to help like band-aid it while you take care of other things. But I feel like people aren't taking care of the other things, you know? And it's like, you don't have a like high blood pressure deficiency medication. You know what I mean? Like you just need to take care of some, some stuff, yeah. but I don't think that that's absolute truth. As yeah. pushed as hard, you know? Right. Yeah. And I can pull back the curtain some on that. And I picked up on this in, in med school and residencies. Like, why do we have all these farm reps coming to us? you know, when you're a, a student resident and they're just pushing the new drug when their patent runs out. And, and the crazy thing is it's the other, everywhere else in the world, they understand that game. It's the same pill, but it just gets repackaged here in the U S and they're, that's, that's and the sad part. Oftentimes of it. isn't the, like the studies, like the science is produced by like the, the drug pharmaceutical company. Yep. company. It is. And that's the thing. That's kind of wishy-washy. For sure. For sure. If you look at where the data is coming from and everyone manipulates (laughs) data nowadays. And we're trained to look, you know, as being in the, in the medical field, we're we're trained to look at studies and you're like, yeah, this is just manipulating this data. So. Yeah. I mean, I was joking with my girlfriend the other day when we were talking about like bad food and like cereal and stuff. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't watch too much TV. So I don't see like the the ads anymore, but like frosted flakes and Mm. shit like that would literally say like, Oh, this is part of a well-balanced breakfast. I'm like, right what, like eight cups of sugar is part of a well-balanced breakfast? Like, what what part of the balanced breakfast is Frosted Flakes? Like, where does that fit in, you know? Mm. Or like Cheerios, like, how the hell do Cheerios help your heart? In you fact, it's yeah, the, the heart healthy sticker. It's yeah. the opposite. Yeah, you never they reduce. It, yeah. And then, and they like actually, it was like science, like they were saying, right? Like, oh, like it reduced three percent of people's like heart cholesterol. Or I don't know. Like, it was crazy. It's Cheerios. They're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I just like using a, a combination of common sense with you know using science and then incorporating the person because mm-hmm. I try to go every time I go into a room I try to treat it like it's a new unique perspective because when you have joe in the room and you're treating joe you know you don't realize joe's just really i is really just stressed out you mm-hmm. know and i don't unfortunately i don't have a pill for that um i'll do my best sometimes you just need a hug well there is there are some pills for well there are terrible for you yeah. they're just not that good for you i wish there was a happy pill you're just linked to you know yeah. like suicide and mass yeah. murders and yeah. all the not the, good the 50 things <laughs> but keeping that that uh human aspect in, in the patient room is so important because mm-hmm. people feel it. Like I know people are so rewarded just that I listen to them. Like yeah. they, they, they long for that. You know, they're, they're there because they're not feeling great. If they were feeling great, they wouldn't be there. So they, they want even just being heard as like maybe the best medicine they could have. Yeah, I think so too. And I was listening to this clip this morning. I think I sent it to you on Instagram. Um, this guy was talking about, you know, people, we, sometimes people have, problem addictions so we're addicted to our problem so if you're stressed from work that's a problem for you and you're addicted to like wanting to solve it or you think about it versus like i think his analogy was like if it was men in black and he had the little uh the little Mm -hmm. thing that erased your memory and you erased your memory of like 
what you've been struggling with, like, would you still have that problem? You know, would you still be just, it's like driving with looking by only looking in the rearview mirror. You know, you're just so focused on this problem. You can't solve it because you're just so obsessed with it, you know, and it's like all like just your mentality. But when they get to talk and they get to share that, you get a perspective from someone else like you or whomever they're talking to to show them like, no, it's not a problem. Like you can solve it. Like you can do something different. And we get so stuck in our head about like, no, we have this issue and we can't look at anything else because we're just obsessed with it. Yeah, I think it's easy to get uh, get into ruts. And I, I use the analogy like a dirt bike. When you get into a rut, you have to muscle your way out of it. There's no other way to go. It's very easy to stay in that rut, right? Uh, and if you move right, you could fall over if you move wrong way. But you do have to muscle and realize that change can happen. And change is actually the only constant. That's another thing, too. Uh, you know, I get guilty. I have to force myself to change. And every time I get a new job, I'm always stressed out. And I'm always second-guessing myself. I'm like, Frank, you're so stupid. You had such a good gig. What were you doing? Dumb, dumb. Like, what are you yeah. doing? But, you know, three months later, I'm like, oh, it was a good decision. It was good. I'm happy. <laughs> this is the roller coaster that Frank lives, right? Yeah. But you have to uh, force change because, again... There is no such thing as like the perfect status quo. There is no such thing as a complete constant. This world is wild. Life mm-hmm. is an absolute wild roller coaster that is constantly changing, no matter what you do. And you really can't control anything but yourself and your thoughts and perspective. Yeah. Which is a good point, Eric. Just a couple of dudes. Yeah. I'm speechless. God, that was so good. <laughs> this uh, could be on YouTube eventually. Yeah. Well, once we start recording. Oh, man. Or like filming. Yeah, just we're coming from uh, my kitchen table. Yeah, so that just shows our humbly, humble beginnings. We'll get a studio one day. Yeah, someday it might be a bedroom, but it'll be a studio. Yeah, it'll be our studio. Well, that's why I'm glad, uh, Gary, that you brought up balance too, because um, we're talking about like work-life balance. We did a whole episode just on like work-life balance, um, but then we're talking a lot about like health and diet and whatnot too, and I think that that's a part of people, you know, who are dealing with stress and they you know or they're trying to lose weight they're trying to be healthy but they you know they don't have a healthy balance or they just want to go so hard in the health direction and you can do it for like a while but you can burn out too and i think people need a good balance like yesterday i had i did i had an oreo cookie shake from jack in the box and nachos it was great but i also had fasted and i exercised this morning and all i've had today is you know i had my green juice and a piece of steak that was it I feel great. And what's really cool about you, Eric, is like you have this really good way to balance because you're always like bubbly and in a good mood and you balance a full-time job. You have a new hot girlfriend, by the way. Oh, H-A-W-T. H-A-W-T, who yeah. uh, is competing for a show. Yeah, she is. Like, how cool is that? Oh, dude, it's so, it's crazy. Like, just like the, the, the exercise, right? like the regimen, what they have to eat, like, like, all the stuff she does half the time, I'm like, oh my God. So she's working two jobs. Two. Right? Two jobs. She's a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. She never looks tired. No. She's fun to be around. She'll watch football. She does. What is she doing with you, Eric? I don't, I don't know. It's just it's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, man. But anyways, I, that, again, another example. I'm we, trying to get a ring on layaway. Oh, you better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would just tell you just get her pregnant. Uh, oh, is that, is that yeah. the is that the answer? That is the answer. Yeah. 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 I've heard that on a soap opera once. Yeah. Just yeah. trap them. Yeah, just trap them. <laughs> oh, man. So, Gary, coming back to balance, what does a balanced life look like to you? Yeah, for sure. Balance is something that it's a very dynamic thing. I love how you use the um, 
the analogy of like a, a dirt bike, like, cause it's not, it's every day, every moment you have to compensate for something. And you can look at your path and you're like, well, this is the path I want to go on. And it seems like things are going great some days, but then some days you may blow a tire or you, you know, something may happen that you're not prepared for, or even just those little minute things you have to do every day. If you think about riding a bike, like you innately start to, you know, shift and move balance one way or the other. So just, I think the biggest thing is to realize it's not once you get balanced, you're good. (laughs) It's like, once you, once you get balanced, you begin better at being balanced every day by changing something or adjusting to what's going on in your life. So, and that's where it's just trying to figure out what works again for you. And, um, and just remember, you know, take it day by day. Each day can be, you know, better than the next or worse than the next. Well, yeah, it's like, it's like being on like a sailboat, you know, like you can't go straight, but you need to like get to a certain point. So you float a little left. So you have to overcorrect. You go the other way. You're always, so you're just constantly correcting and making small adjustments to keep you going in that direction. But there's no straight line. There's no straight path there. You know, and that's that's how life is. Like you're just constantly making. But that's the hard part is kind of find, figuring out like what is the next little adjustment I got to make. Or you do make that adjustment. You feel really good. But, you know, within a week or it could be a month, you realize like, oh, I need a correct again. I need another correction. I need another correction. I need another correction. And that's the the little struggles, you know? Well, I, I definitely hyper-focus on my problems. Oh, and yeah. that's why I'm good at solving problems because I will see different, you know, eight angles of it, but I hyper-focus on it way too much. Like, this problem is taking way too much energy in my, out of my life, mm-hmm. right? Like, job. My job should not be that stressful. If it is, I need to I need to find a way to balance it better, mm-hmm. okay? Um, because it is your responsibility to be a happy person because when you're happy you're happy for everyone else around you so like that's why i tell you i i really promote that with people i'm like if it makes you really happy to build legos let's get three sets of legos yeah. and you better build those damn things right yep. if you're happy and being a mom and you know having six kids and that's what you wanted to do you know great i'm so happy and supportive of you so I, I hope that more people feel that from others yeah. that they need to do what makes them happy and do not care what other people think Like, absolutely don't care about the outside chatter. You know, like people thinking like, oh, well, you can make more money if you do this. Or, you know, oh, you're so smart. You could do that. Or why are you doing? It's like, it doesn't matter. It's my life. I'm not. You're not. If you go do those things, if you want them done, I'm not. It's really empowering, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people do. Like, Gary, did did you go into medicine because you wanted to? Hmm. So this is a... Yeah, both my parents being nurses, I was always exposed to that, you know, exposed to kind of the top of the food chain was being was being a doctor. So I guess to answer that question is like when I was I made that decision basically when I was 17. And to be honest, (laughs) I don't know if you remember being 17, but (laughs) the top, you know, usually you're not worried about what you want to do the rest of your life. You know, I can't imagine I was (laughs) such an idiot at 17. I was a moron. I was like smoking black and milds and, uh, you know, freaking excited to turn 21. That's all I cared about. I just wanted about. to be like, I just thought I could, like, can I be a professional athlete? I don't know. I just oh run, my God. I spent my whole life running cross country and track. Yeah. I'm a six foot one white dude yeah. that can't dunk. Yeah. Like, it's embarrassing. Where am I going to go? You know? I know. Oh, man. Yeah, I thought I was good at running and then I got yeah. to college and I was like, I suck. And Gary's 17 <laughs> going into a six year medical school. I like that though. Top of the food chain. It's doctor. Because it kind of is, dude. Like it is. At it's least like, smart-wise. It's, and, it's right. one of those things where when people do talk about like careers, they always say doctor, lawyer, whatever. Engineer, maybe. Yeah, might like, be up there. Doctors and lawyers. Doc- you always hear doctors and lawyers. But 
We went to a school of a thousand people, uh, right? Well, Eric, you're a little behind me. I forget. I'm yeah, it was it was around there. So though. Peoria High School had a thousand people, and I think we had like 750 graduate, and one doctor out of that yeah. thousand people. So that's can you incredible. imagine one physician? That's it. Yeah. At our high school, we were happy to graduate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> graduate. Gary's, Gary, Gary like, Community College. Yeah. Gary glanced over an undergraduate degree. Undergraduate degree is like nothing in the medical community. That's just like going to high school. Yeah. It's, you know? Yeah. Now it's like, where, where did you get your bachelor's degree from? I'm just going to make up something like Cornell. I don't even know what that means. Where is Cornell? New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it just sounds really, real fancy. Yeah. yeah. It is real fancy. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, man. I, I can't even imagine or fathom like that, that much pressure when your frontal lobe's not even fully developed yet. So I don't think any 17 or 18-year-old is really, it's just not a fair thing to ask an 18-year-old or 17-year-old, what do you want to do the rest of your life? Like, no, you know, there are not. kids that, you know, Gary, you have two kids. Um, you know, do you, can you ask them right now, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I can dream with them, which is yeah. what kids should do. They should today, like last, um, like Landon last week, he wants to be a YouTuber. I'm like, it's great because you, those people just make, they make a lot of money right now if they're successful at it. But it, that can change every day. You know, we go to the car shows like, oh, I want to be, you know, a stunt driver. And that's what, that's what kids should be allowed to be. So going back to your question, when I was 17, it's like, wow, I'm just getting used to living out, outside the house, you know, live in a dorm. There's so many, I couldn't even buy cigarettes legally. Or drink alcohol, and it's like, well, we had this thing called the white coat ceremony, and we put on the white coat, and then we go off and play doctor, or learn learn to be a doctor. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's been quite a journey. It's been it been fun, but yeah, it's it's wild that that's how it went. And now you have uh, Gary, who has two children, that promotes it. So he see he he saw how he was raised, he saw the life he had, and now he's cultivating kind of a different viewpoint for his kids, right? So you can, you have it's really cool to see that, you know, like my parents, um, they just told me to get a job and work hard, mm-hmm. pretty vague, you know, I don't really know what I want to do when I grow up, but I do like helping people. So I think I, I eventually found this niche or area. So it worked out, but I had to just try a bunch of things. Yeah. Same That's here. I had to do. Mine yeah. was pure trial and error. I just thought I had an idea to do something and I would do it. When I didn't like that situation, I went out and found another and just, I mean, I work in education and school administration, and I, I mean, I completely just fell into it. Um, and I don't even know if I'll, how long I'll be there, you know? And I'm not worried about that, though. That's the thing is people get so caught up, too, and, like, even at, like, I'm 27 years old, and, you know, people are like, oh, like, what's your five-year plan, 10-year plan? I'm like, just, you know, <laughs> do as good as I can today, and then that'll happen tomorrow and the day after. And if I do that for a year, I'll be in a good spot. I like that. We, I like the saying that we overestimate what we can get done in a year, but we underestimate what we can get done in a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I, I constantly, even now, I forget that I'm doing a lot. You know, I just yeah. became an inspector like four months ago. Yeah. And I took two jobs. I'm trying to maybe get into the coaching realm, trying to keep this podcast going. I'm like, Frank, what are you doing, man? I'm trying to keep a relationship going. I, I didn't get to watch football that much this yeah. year, even though our team sucks. There's just too much stuff to do, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, I work, I mean, I probably work in the vicinity of, like, 50, 60 hours a week, so I, there's a lot of time goes to that. Mm-hmm. And then my other time, I'm trying to exercise, be healthy, stuff like that. I spend time with my girlfriend, my my family, my friends, do this podcast, constantly thinking about ways to, 
try and, you know, turn, cause part of this podcast is it's, it's a media outlet as well. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to like learn stuff, but then I got other stuff I want to do and I hear someone's doing something, you know, I'll watch a Gary Vee video and he's talking about like flipping stuff on eBay and I'm like, Oh shit, I could probably do that. You know, should I go buy some baseball cards right now? Or, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm like, God, stop, stop. <laughs> or Jocko gets four hours of but that's sleep. Where, yeah. And then yeah, that's where that balance comes in. Cause then mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I need to reel it in. What's the couple things I want to focus on, give myself to, and we'll, we'll do that right now. And then we'll move on. Stay present. Yeah. Coming from people that struggle being present, yeah. by the way. Like, this isn't, it's <laughs> not know. like we are, like, doing yoga all day and, like, yeah, I, know. And I am in the moment. <laughs> like, I'm meditating. I struggle sitting there for 10 minutes. Yeah. I do red light therapy. A, I do it naked because I want to get the, the core of the body you have to. involved. You have to. It's a science. <laughs> but just standing there for 15 minutes with nothing on, that's like my meditation. You know, and like yeah. I still struggle. Sometimes I, I have to look at my phone. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. Uh, I do, I try to hit like 20 minutes in the sauna and a lot of like a solid probably 13 minutes. I can just zen out and just be still. And then I struggle probably the last five, seven yeah. minutes. It's kind of rough. Yeah. Finding silence, you know, working in the ER, it's, um, that can be a, a tough thing. Like I know you guys are commenting on just like almost that addiction of being busy, like always doing something. Yeah. And part of that I knew kind of appealed to me. That's how I ended up in the ER. Cause it's, it's, you have like the busyness and the trauma, but then after a while I realized I can't, can't keep the foot on, you know, your foot on the gas the whole time. Yeah. Well imagine like I, I can imagine in the ER, it's like you're hyperactive, like you're mm. aware you're firing on all cylinders. You have to be able to answer a question and make a decision. You, you know, you need to be aware of your surroundings, but imagine being in that kind of like full on assault mode always and just never shutting it off. I mean like your, your brain, your body's just going to be depleted. I think it's a big culture problem we have in America. Like we, we we're guilty. Like I feel guilty when I have free time. I'm like, what should I be doing right now? What should I be doing that should be striving or going or reading or whatever? Yeah. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not going to look back at 80 and be like, God, I'm really glad I read that other book. Mm-hmm. You know, that really, <laughs> really. My 14th glad. book on yeah. intermittent fasting. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I just want to watch the Netflix. Like, there's this really good show on HBO right now, The Outsider. Just yeah. want to throw it out there. Oh, it's real good. Okay. Oh, the outsider. Uh, my Kyle was watching it. Oh, it's good. Some of it. yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. I have a, I mean, just to give, I guess, like a cultural perspective, that's how it is over here in America. One of my really good friends, he lives in Scotland. He's like working in Germany or something right now. But he, he works super hard. You know, he does, he makes decent money. When he's at work, he works really hard. The other time, like, he knows how to relax. He knows how to enjoy. I probably couldn't, you know, be on that same level of just hanging out and doing stuff, but he knows how to just totally like he's he doesn't feel guilty i guess that's what i'm getting like you mentioned because it's true like if i have a day or i have an hour where i'm not doing something like oh am i doing you know, a chore or whatever reading you know reading how how can i make the podcast better or what can i do at work or something you know you do feel a little guilty mm-hmm. and it's getting over that because you shouldn't it's your life you know you should enjoy it as much as as hard as you're gonna work you should enjoy it even more than just that hard work and I think I think America's cultivated that over a long period of time, yeah. right? And now now you have all these things like we went looking at tiny houses recently, which you know people talk crap about it, but just the dream of simplifying your life, you know, one pot, one pan, uh, three T-shirts, yeah, you know, hey, I wish I could just run through life with shirtless anyways. Why do I have a shirt? Mm-hmm. Who cares? It's just my nipples. 
You know, I, I wore no shirt when I was five years old. It's just the way I've been since I was a kid. Like, I don't know. We have so much stuff, and I just fill up more stuff. And there's this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's never enough. It's yeah. overcomplicated. It is. Yeah. We just need to simplify and balance. Simplify and balance. That's the message. That's the message. That's the message from Frank Lewandowski and Eric Flattinger. Just a couple dudes. We got yeah, any last uh, questions to ask? Oh, man, I don't. I think we could just keep talking forever. Because we could do like a whole other. We could probably pick another yeah. topic and do a whole other episode on it. But I just want to thank Gary for coming on, taking the time. I mean, you're talking about a guy that is a father, a husband, a doctor. Um, obviously, balances a lot, a lot mm-hmm. more probably than the average person, a lot more than me. Uh, is able to still have a smile on his face. And his goal and dream is to balance other people still and help other people, which is amazing. Yeah. I guess a, a last question or remark would be... Uh, for anyone who is also trying to look into, you know, better health and wellness and stuff like that and balance and all that, what were some of the either one or two books or one or two people on social media you follow or look up to or have kind of helped guide you in your journey? Yeah, I would say that there's three that come to mind. Um, first one was uh, Abel James. He's the fat burning man. He was um, that was one of the first ones I came across two or three years ago. Uh, second would be uh, Dave Asprey. Um, he's the known as the you know the godfather of biohacking, um, and then third would be um, Dr. Mark Hyman. He's he's a Cleveland Clinic physician, big on the functional medicine realm, and so it's kind of a mixture of things. But I would mm-hmm. say those are the three that'll kind of bubble up to the top when I'm looking at different different things. Sweet. And then you you're on social media, right? Do you want to plug in your correct? Yeah. Handles so yeah, I'm starting to hand. Like I said, I started a health and wellness company. It's the website is thebalancelifemd.com, and then on Insta it's at thebalancelifemd, and then I'm on Facebook as well. So cool. And then we'll share that when we promote this uh, episode too. So anyone who's listening and you want to check out more about balanced life and health and wellness from a doctor who has, you know, it's not just some dude telling you who's talking the talk and walking the walk, doing both. Yeah, that's it. And here we go back to Moby. Oh, more Moby. And we just got to talk over it. That's it. We just got to talk over yeah. it. Not bad. Yeah. Eventually, we'll have good equipment. And we won't get a cease and desist letter. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone. Thank you, everybody.